Welcome to Israel War Briefing, a podcast from the Jewish Chronicle offering deep insight into the crisis in the Jewish state as it continues to unfold. I'm Jake Wallace-Simons, editor of the Jewish Chronicle and author of Israelophobia, the newest version of the oldest hatred and what to do about it. In each episode, I'll be asking an expert commentator for their analysis of the latest developments and reflections on what comes next. Today, I'm joined by Elad Zimchayov. He's the London correspondent for Israel's Channel 12 News. He also hosts the Echad Beyom podcast, which means one a day, which is one of the most popular shows in Israel. Since the war, he's been reporting on the London protests for an Israeli audience and was one of the first people, if not the first person, to share videos of those people ripping down posters of hostages in in London, which then went viral. So, um, Elad, thank you for joining us and welcome. Shalom, Shalom, thank, thank you, you for having me. me. Uh, so first of all, Elad, if you wouldn't mind just introducing yourself to our, our viewers and listeners, how long you've been in London, what your background is, and uh, and how you, how you came to be here today. Sure. Uh, so I've been a journalist for the past 20 years. Um, I've uh, moved to London more than 10 years ago as the European correspondent for Channel 12. Uh, and ever since, I've been covering European affairs and UK affairs. I've been to every major event that happened uh, in the continent uh, during the past um, last decade. Um, just mentioning a few, you know, the the, the ISIS attacks, um, sports events, political events, elections, uh, every royal event that happened here in the UK, the good and the bad. Uh, so yes, yeah, so I've done it all. And um, now, unfortunately, um, as you mentioned, I'm, I'm covering the response here in uh, in the UK and Europe as a whole to the events that are still unfolding back in Israel. Now, it, it seems to me that around the world, there's October the 6th and October the 7th. And, you know, as Brett Stevens wrote in his recent New York Times column, for Jews in particular, every day is October the 8th. Um, and so your perspective is, from an Israeli point of view, deeply understanding and embedded in British and European culture. Uh, what What's your what are your reflections on on that change? You know, Jake, I, I want to share um, a story that happened during October 9th. We're just two days after the horrific events of October 7th. Israel has yet to start its uh, military operation, surely not the ground offensive that we're seeing in Gaza for the past couple of weeks. Um, my personal feelings was... Uh, like many, many others, of shock and trauma. I didn't even start to comprehend what happened. Um, and I've heard about a demonstration being organized outside of the Israeli embassy. So obviously I went there. And that was the first moment as a, a British Jew, Israeli, whatever you want to call it, um, that something struck really hard in my guts and my soul and my heart because we already saw what happened. We knew what happened. We saw the videos. We, we've heard the testimonies by, by then. And seeing thousands of people just demonstrating as if nothing happened, as if it was just another round of violence that we've seen for so many years before, um, that made me understand that we're dealing with something different, not just 
with what's happened in Israel, but also as the Jewish and Israeli diaspora in the UK and, and all over the world, actually. And as, as you mentioned, ever since, ever since these days of October 8th, October 9th, it's all just being pretty much the same, which is just horrific, because um, in my eyes, and that's what I, I felt back then, if there's no empathy, no sympathy, no understanding, no one to stand next to the Israelis or even the Jewish community and say, we're with you with what happened. It's a tragedy. It's horrific. If not after October 7th, so it will never happen. And that was the realization that started sinking in, for me at least, back then uh, just outside the Israeli embassy. It's an interesting thought because we've had protests before. You know, 2021, for example, when mm -hmm. the last time that we had a Gaza conflict and during that exchange of fire, uh, I think 256 Palestinians were killed. Mm -hmm. I mean, it's, it's a whole other whole other time. Yeah. yeah. Uh, but that was enough to bring 180,000 people out into Hyde Park. And we had those the hate calls going through North London. We had, uh, you know, threatening to rape Jewish women through megaphones. We had people patrolling the back streets in High Street Kensington, looking for Zionists and wanting their blood. They said the police didn't do anything. That was then. But 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 you know, Jake, it, it it's it's again, it's even harder for me, and I know that for many of my colleagues and friend na friends now, I've been to the twenty twenty one demonstrations. I've been to demonstrations even before. I was uh, um, pushed around. I had to had uh, have a police escorting me in order to protect me many many times. I was cursed. I was pushed. Whatever you want happened. But even what we saw in twenty twenty one where I saw the Israeli flag being burnt and ripped and people lying it on the floor to stem, uh, step on it. Uh, and, and people were telling me all sorts of things about Israel and about Zionism. It didn't sting as much as, as what we're seeing now. Yeah, and I think that one of the reasons may be because back then, I mean, to any sensible observer, Israel was acting defensively, and we all know that. But there were ways of interpreting it. It was complicated. At that time, there was... So there was a Biden had just come to power. There was the election complication. There were some provocations from the flag marches. There was there was um, the area of uh, Sheikh Jarrah in Jerusalem that's being mm -hmm. evacuated. There was wrong. So it was complicated. This time it was simple. I mean, this time there was no complication. There was no occupation of Gaza. It was a, a terrorist massacre of innocent civilians. And yet people reacted in the same way, as you said, within two days. What what conclusions do you draw from that? That it doesn't matter. It, it, it really doesn't matter. It doesn't matter whether we have a left-wing government in Israel or a right-wing government in Israel. It doesn't matter if Netanyahu is in power or anybody else for that matter. It doesn't matter if there's a peace process going on, if it's happening in Gaza or the West Bank or within the uh, borders of Israel. It's just, it doesn't matter. Uh, and and, and the, the, the sense and the feeling that we're seeing so much hatred towards Israel, towards Israelis, towards Zionists or Jewish people even. After what happened, it's just, it's a feeling that I, I can't brush off because when I see the hate, and I'm, I'm absolutely not saying that every one of those hundreds of thousands of people have this hatred within them. No, and I was there and I've met many people and some of them were... As nice as you can as you can imagine, they offered me fruit and they protected me, and some actually guarded me with their own bodies because things got a bit too heated up. Uh, but seeing the acts of violence of of hate, 
after what happened in October 7th. It's just, for me, it's just a realization that says, even the day after the war, no matter when it will end and how it will end, even if the government in Israel would change, even if there is a peace process, and even if we'll see a completely different landscape in Israel, the hatred will still be here. It will be in our streets. And as a person who has been living here for, for more than 10 years, I have children who were all born here in the UK. We are all British citizens, proud British citizens as well. For me, it makes me think about my future here um, to the extent when I'm where I'm saying uh, the hatred will still be here it, it can't just simply vanish not this amount and this emotion and aggression it, it's not a thing that just simply goes away and why do you think we didn't see it before october the 7th why do you think we didn't know it was there in the same I, so i i think it's a, a defense mechanism i have to say because you mentioned yourself what happened in 2021 and we've seen it before i i came back to clips of me interviewing people in 2019, 17, 15. I've heard very difficult texts from people uh, uh, waving the flags of Hezbollah in the streets of London, waving the flags of Hamas in the streets of London, telling me in front of the camera, Israel should be annihilated, we should kill as many uh, Israelis as we can, or even hurt Jews. Uh, we've been hearing everything, but it was very easy uh, not easy, but I think it was a, some sort of a mechanism for the Jewish people to say, okay, it's just temporary. It's because of what's happening in Israel. It's because of this round of violence that we're seeing now. It's because of this specific government. And when things get really clear, where we, where, where everything uh, will become clearer in terms of we could see who's good and who's evil, and when there will be acts that are so horrific that will be just undefensible, then we know that some of these people will be on our side. And I think that October 7th was a wake-up call for many people, and I know for me personally, saying it didn't happen now, so it, it, it will surely not happen anytime in the future. What should the Israeli people go through in order to get some sympathy? If not, two, uh, uh, 1,200 people being massacred, raped, burnt, some of them beheaded, 240 people abducted and held hostage for more than a month in Gaza. If that's not enough, nothing will be enough. wonder, I sometimes think about, I've been thinking about the Holocaust quite a lot, which suddenly feels like yesterday. That, 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 that's a thing only Jews could say in, in that tone. I've been thinking about the Holocaust a lot, yeah. All, all my life, the Holocaust has felt distant and in fact yeah. so distant that we've had to have a duty to remember it and not to forget it because it feels that far away sometimes mm -hmm. now it feels like yesterday and it feels like today actually and i wonder whether you know when, in the past one feature of trying to think about the holocaust is that it's so evil it's beyond comprehension right. Right. and so it's hard for you to hold the magnitude of the holocaust in your mind because it's so beyond the imagination and I think that maybe that same um, ten human tendency has we, has been plaguing us for the past few years in, in Europe, that we've seen this hatred, we've seen the evidence, we've seen the signs, but we still can't quite grasp that it's there because we can't extend our, our human imagination to accommodate such darkness. Do you think that's, that, that's true? Um, it, it might be true to some extent. I think... Uh... 
some people are just doing it deliberately. Uh, it's not some sort of a mechanism of a psychological mechanism saying it's so horrific that I can't comprehend it, so I'll try and find excuses or explanations to it. S some of it is, but I think that uh, when it comes to Jewish people, when it comes to, to, to Israel in particular, uh, people are just using it deliberately, um, denying, questioning everything. Y you know, I I've... I've witnessed the, uh, uh, the denial campaign happening in real time. When I was there in the demonstrations, I asked one of the demonstrators that I had a conversation with, and he was a you know a, a, a very educated guy. Um, we, we we spoke. We had a very intelligent conversation. He wasn't that you know uh, the, the the ones that are just speaking in terms of uh, we need to kill everyone and and do everything. He, he was he he had some very reasonable arguments to be made, but. When I talked to him about the pictures of babies being burnt, he said, okay, that's all AI. It's AI generated. And I was, I was taken aback because I said, how can you say that? Would you have said that on, if it would happen in any other place? Let's say, God forbid, the Palestinians would have uh, uh, showed pictures of, of, of babies in that state. Would you accept anyone claiming it's AI generated? When you have so much evidence, when you have so much proof, when you have videos taken by Hamas terrorists, and you're still questioning questioning it, so 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 yeah, in that aspect, I, I I've been thinking about the Holocaust too, but but in terms of the reaction and in terms of the denial, um, I I could never comprehend how people could deny the Holocaust, um, because the scope is so big, because the testimonies are are are. Um, so specific, because the Nazis documented everything, and, and it all stayed. And now, seeing what's been going on in 2023, where we have this technology, where people are broadcasting live, where Hamas terrorists were broadcasting live from within the houses of civilians, and still people are manufacturing news and facts and alternative facts and trying to deny what happened. Um, so that's part of the realization for me as well. Yeah, I, 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 I'm starting to understand historical, uh, historical events in a better way just because they're happening now. I think one one common experience that a lot of Jewish people are are, are having, and actually not just Jews, but Jews and and our friends, are this is this feeling of being alone. Yeah, yeah. and it's it's a it's an instinct. It's a sudden dawning that you see it's like on the battlefield when he's in the nighttime when you shoot a flare and you see suddenly clearly where everybody's standing and suddenly yeah. you realize that fewer people are standing with you than you thought um but then there are different degrees aren't there there are the people who are filled with the oldest hatred that we've been talking about then <clears throat> there's the next layer of people who are their sympathizers and then people who don't really sympathize with them but they kind of go along with them then you have the people who they just want peace but they don't care about what's being shouted at the marches they're still going to still going to go along all the way there are all these different degrees and then at the other end you do have some friends um how alone do you feel and separately to that how alone do you think that we are that's a good question and i think that we can divide it at least from my experience into um into two levels because many people are quietly saying, we stand with you. Whether with you means with the Jewish community, 
the Israeli community, Israel as a country. I've been here a lot. I've been hearing a lot of people who are who are saying that. And and I have to tell you, Jake, you know that after October seventh, the first ones to call me personally, and to come and hug me, and to ask me if I'm okay and if my family is okay, are my Muslim friends, friends that came originally from um, from Syria, from uh, Jordan, from Egypt, uh, from Morocco. They were the first ones to, 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 to call, to text, to ask me if I'm okay. Um, so there's a, a very big group of what we usually call the silent majority, I think. Because one friend told me when he saw that I'm, 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 I'm um, covering the, the protests, he said, yeah, it's true that there are 300,000 people out on the streets, but there are more than 60 million that did not go with them. And it's comforting in a way, but I think that we are at this point where we're seeing uh, the stars of David being drawn outside of Jewish houses in Paris and in Berlin, and we're seeing a just a crazy rise in anti-Semitism in the UK and, and elsewhere as well. I think we reached the point where the silent majority cannot longer stay silent. And I think that people need to make the clear distinction between standing up to anti-Semitism and standing with your Jewish community friends and neighbors and uh, giving a political view. I think that a lot of people are just too scared that if they'll say something against anti-Semitism or if they'll act uh, in order to combat anti-Semitism, it will be seen as they're taking a, a stand, a political stance with Israel. Um, and, and and I think we know we don't longer have this privilege. Um, what's happening here, and people shouldn't be panicked, but they should be vigilant and, and weary and, and concerned about what's happening here, because as time progresses and as the situation in Gaza and in Israel devolves, uh, evolves and, and becomes uh, harder and harder, um, the situation in the diaspora is, is becoming harder and harder as well. And, and, and I think that for your question, how alone am I, am I feeling? Personally, I know that there's a lot of support. I can feel it. I have a lot of people talking to me personally. But these people are not doing the extra step and going forward and joining the Jewish community in its protests against anti-Semitism, for example. And, and that's the problem that I have. That's when I feel most alone. It's interesting, isn't it? Because there is this silent majority. But what you're saying is, how long are they are they going to keep silent for? And uh, and they're, they're, I think we all, we we hope that there there will come a point where people will say enough is enough. Exactly. Um, you know this this idea that actually comes from the uh, the, the the Black Lives Matter uh, movement that you know silence is violence. That's what they say when it comes to black people, but nobody is saying it when it comes to Jews at the moment. Mm -hmm. There's actually, there's actually, there are a lot of movements that I have to say. I, I, I'm pretty curious to see, and and it's it's pretty strange, uh, let alone ironic and hypocritic, hypocritical that uh, the way that they're behaving. Uh, the Me Too movement. We've been hearing testimonies about um, rape, horrific rapes of of women during October seventh, and then I saw this like sign saying feminists um, against Israel or something like that. Why aren't you speaking about what we're what we what we saw during October seventh? Um, So-called humanitarian people, and also the Black Lives Matter movement. Um, 
aren't all lives matter the same? I mean, wasn't that the agenda you were trying to convey? That black lives matter just like any other life as well? Um, so yeah, it's, it's just one more proof in my mind of how hypocrisy and bias and even anti-Semitism uh, anti has crawled into this, um, this debate and conversation, unfortunately. Talk about, about fear. Um, you mentioned it as, as one of the reasons why people, the silent majority is staying silent because they're afraid mm -hmm. of bringing it back on them or of being perceived to be political or whatever it is. Um, it's something that I, that I see in the Jewish community a lot. And I'm sure you do too. People who are so scared that they're taking extra measures. Schools, you know, telling telling their students not to wear their kippot or whatever, mm -hmm. or parents telling their kids not to do that. I went to a a shul quite recently where the rabbi didn't wear his kippah to, to wow. go into the shul, mm -hmm. and then at the end we were we were let out in groups of ten. Um, and I wonder to myself. I mean, I. You know, we've had that on Israeli from an Israeli point of view as well. There was a message from the Israeli government saying, if you're Israeli, don't show it in public, don't travel unless you have to, keep a low profile. Yeah. And I personally have been taking a different point of view. You know, I've been wearing, I've got here, I'm not wearing it right now, but I've got it right in front of me, my Israel UK lapel pin, which I normally wear. Um and and other things, because it tend it seems to me that if you live in hiding because you're afraid it does something to you spiritually it it's de it degrades you in some way and i feel like there's more fear than there is violence right now um what do you think i agree uh, and uh, a lot of people are contacting me from israel asking me whether it's safe or not to come and visit london and actually oddly enough uh, while there are rockets uh, flying from Gaza towards Israel uh, onto a civilian uh, 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 population centers and, and major cities. I've been getting phone calls and messages from Israelis saying, stay safe, be careful uh, here in London, which, which, which is very ironic in, in, in my mind. But, 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 but I agree, there's a lot of fear. Um, and I, I think fear is part of the story. I can tell you that I've heard uh, of a non-Jewish school a public British regular normal school that had a trip, year three trip, to a synagogue plant. And parents called the school and said, we, we, we're concerned regarding security. And it got to the point where the school had to cancel the trip. And again, I'm talking about a non-Jewish school. So I agree that there's more fear than actual violence. There is violence, but not in the proportion of the fear. But fear, to itself, is part of the story. The fact that the Jewish community in the UK has to live in fear, the fact that people are afraid to speak out, the fact that I visited a shop of a Jewish woman who turned her store into a, a, logistic, a logistical center to send donations to families in Israel, civilians in Israel that lost their houses, that lost all of their belongings, and she was threatened and had to hire from her own pocket two security guards to stand outside and 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 and, and secure her shop. Uh, that's enough. I mean, it doesn't have to go to the point where we're actually seeing violence in the street. We want to tackle this is issue well before that. Uh, and 
you know, I've heard many that were talking about uh, the British values and about British communities. And one of them said that it's very hard to understand how uh, a British society allows for foreign conflicts to be imported into the country and actually uh, get so uh, uh, so emotional and so aggressive where it's, where, where, where it's actually dictating our life here in the UK. Um, and that's the thing that I just can't comprehend. Um, and, and I agree that the Jewish community lives in fear um, that is might not be justifiable in any case in, in all of the cases, but the fact that there, the fear exists is is telling enough. Um, so yeah, so I think that in that aspect, a lot of people, a lot of authorities, the police, the government, although standing and saying all the right words and um, uh, promising all the right promises, um, a, a lot of them just have let us down as, as a Jewish community here in the UK. Yeah, I mean, I, I suppose the point of terrorism is that you do a one act of violence and it creates terror amongst a lot of people. It's a force multiplier. It's the terror yeah. is, is the point. That's how you achieve yeah. your political goals. And I, I think that you're right that with the police, I mean, the, the deputy police commissioner and the home secretary right in the beginning of this conflict said to me personally, zero tolerance. We're not going to have a repeat of 2021. I said, thank you very much, Kolakavod. And then we saw quite a lot of tolerance, let's face it, on the streets <laughs> yeah. towards this stuff. And, you know, to the Jewish community, it's not words, it's actions that matter. Exactly. And that's why it fosters this sense of fear. But let me talk to you just briefly. I haven't got that much time left, but just briefly about the distinction between Israelis and Jews. Mm-hmm. Uh, because this must be, you know, you've talked in this sort of language quite a lot uh, in our conversation so far people hating Israelis and even hating Jews as well <laughs> um, as if the former is okay you know <laughs> but I guess that's how you come to you come to absorb that because of the weight of it over time yeah um, do you think that that distinction still exists now in our post-October the 7th world uh, less so you know the funny thing is Jake that for the past year and about a year many of my coverage uh, items that I did were about how the Jewish community relates and uh, reacts to um, the developments in Israel in terms of the judicial reform, for example, the, the right-wing government that was elected. Uh, I remember some of the stories here about the tension between the Jewish community and Israel, about protests that were organized in London by the Jewish community and by the Israeli community in London. For the past year, people here have been fighting the Israeli government and some of its decisions and reforms. And after October 7th, and that's one of the major changes that I think happened within us, is that you see that even people that were very critical to Israel within the Jewish or Israeli community now stand next to Israel and by Israel because they they understand two things. One, that it's different. And two, that it's a bigger story than just uh, Israel and Hamas. Uh, So I think the distinction has become very narrow and very, very lean. Um, and uh, I've been to a, a pro-Israeli demonstration, and I, and I myself am not a, a religious Jew, uh, but I saw a booth of, of tefillin, um, and I went there on, on my initiative, and I, I asked whether I can put the, the tefillin on, and he asked me why. Uh, he knows me. He said, why? And I said, because the distinction is not really there 
nowadays, if you're Jewish, you've been associated with Israel. And if you're Israeli, you're obviously being associated with being Jewish. And we don't have the privilege to make the different the, 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 uh, the difference and the dividers between uh, how much of a Jewish are you, what kind of a Jewish are you, and whether you're not you're, you're an Israeli or not. Um, so yeah, so I think we're seeing, uh, as you mentioned, a, a whole new community, a whole new reality post October 7th, where um, the lines between the Israeli community and the Jewish community here in the UK have become really, really almost almost uh, unseeable. I mean they're, they're, they're almost transparent between Israelis and Jews is often made in bad faith as a cover for anti-Semitism. You know, I, yeah. I, um, my book came out on on September the 7th, exactly one month before October the 7th, mm. and it's called Israelophobia. Mm -hmm. And the Israelophobia part, part of the recognition is that people say, oh, I don't hate Jews, only only Israelis. Yeah. And, and as if that's okay, you know? And the only Jews and, and now they're now they're using the the Zionists and and when when I went to the protest they they said oh you're a Jew I said yeah uh, where are you from originally I said I was born in Israel so you're a Zionist and 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 I said what does it mean what 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 are you asking me and and some of them didn't exactly know how to how to explain but but yeah I mean it's exactly. we know we know it's the same and I feel that they. There are some Jews that they allow to be on their side. They're the ones who hate Israel equally to them, yeah. and they provide them with the cover. So it's yeah. like, you know, having them as a friend is a price that's worth paying to have the cover so people don't realize you're anti-Semitic. Yeah. But, you know, speaking about the BLM movement, for example, or, or even the Me Too movement or any other civil movement, it's just, it's, it's mind-boggling to me. I've been to one of the protests where we saw Nitoure Karta, Standing as we as we usually see in the anti-Israeli protests, and some of the protesters told me just just for people just for listeners who might yeah. not know the Naturi Carter are some ultra-orthodox radical fringe sect who are avowedly anti-Zionists even though they're religious Jews. Exactly, and some of the protests there has told me here you see there are Jews that are against the Zionist idea and against Israel, so we're not against Jews, and and as you can see, it's not a far-fetched idea for us to be saying you shouldn't have a a, a state of your own. Um, and and I kept thinking, would you have seen uh, a counter demonstration for let's say let's say the BLM movement? Uh, where a, a black person would go with uh, uh, a crowd of, uh, let's say, I don't know, protesters and uh, say, uh, no, I don't think that black lives uh, actually matter more than, uh, uh, let's say, equally to other lives. And I think that the police should act in brutality and aggression w against the, the, the black community. You wouldn't have seen it. And even if so, the black community would have rightly and naturally call him out and say this person does not represent us and that's a, a very extremist radical fringe uh, uh, person that holds these views but for some reason with, with Jewish people demonstrating against the existence of the, the state of Israel the protesters are using them as an example of here there are two sides of, of Jews the one that says that you shouldn't have a state and the one that says you should have a state and it's clearly not the case. And I think they're doing it on purpose. I don't think that they misguide the proportions or the or the sentiment. I, I think they're actually using them, as you said, as an excuse um, of, for 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 trying to strengthen their uh, their message. Yeah, I mean, I, it's true, though, isn't it, that there were some black conservatives who stood against that radical BLM 
Of course, but but everybody knew who they're who they're standing for and exactly how fringe and extreme they are. And and I I and, and I'm not sure most of the um, the the BLM the BLM movement even took them very seriously or had to take them very seriously. I don't think that many journalists, for example, or protesters would say, "Here, there are some black conservatives, so let's make a debate," or or there's a, some sort of a equivalence here between the groups. Uh, you know, I think of, for example, Kemi, Kemi Badenoch, mm-hmm. you know, the, the, the minister um, who is obviously black from, of Nigerian descent, British, uh, and who stood against that kind of social justice movement and identity yeah. politics. But I think that it's interesting how how much the left and the progressive world, ha- how much he's a hate figure for them, you know, yeah. really isolated and pilloried. Yeah. Let's just, but before we, we finish, there's just one more um, thing I wanted to pick up with you. Yeah. You mentioned your Muslim friends are the, the first to call you, uh, yeah. uh, and and I have had a, some some parallel experiences um, a little bit. And indeed, the first, one of the first people that I called was my friend in Gaza from my time when I was a reporter, foreign reporter, who I'm in touch with from time to time. And it, it seems to me that if we're looking for some kind of good news story, and it's not a good news story, but a, a ray of a, a small ray of hope. It is it is the story of Israel's Arab community mm-hmm. the past few weeks. The example of Mansour Abbas, of Lucia Harish, of of Naz Daily, um, of of the way that the Bedouins who saved forty Israelis from the Nova Music Festival. Mm-hmm. Um, can you talk a little bit about about that and what it says about how I, I feel that we're very much in agreement that. Islam and Muslims are not the problem. It's something, of course something related but different. Yeah, of course not. I think it's a um, a, a way of um, taking the Muslim faith or the the Islamic faith and just taking it to to the extreme by giving it a distorted commentary and and and, and a whole spin to it, where it sees the world in a very complete uh, different um, uh, view. Um, apart from its original form, but 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 I agree, and I think I can expand the horizons a bit a bit more. Um, what's happening within Israel with the Arab community, community with the Muslim community, is 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 heartwarming and is, is it's amazing because everyone suffered the same trauma. There are Bedouins and Arabs that were massacred during the October seventh attack. There are some that were abducted and are still being held in Gaza within the Arab and, and Muslim community as well. So it's it's a sense of we're all in this in this together, um, and and unfortunately, more often than not, these traumatic experiences are the ones that help build the bridges later. Um, and, and we, we've seen it in the past, but but I do want to expand the horizons a bit more by looking at Israel's neighbors as well. Uh, and I'm not talking about the, the the countries that are at war with Israel. But if you're seeing what's happening in Saudi Arabia, that are actually intercepting rockets coming from Yemen towards Israel. Uh, if you're seeing that the Abraham Accords are still intact with the uh, UAE, with Bahrain, um, the cooperation between Israel and uh, Egypt still strong, between Israel and Jordan. Even the plane that flew from Jordan to uh, uh, parachute some humanitarian aid into Gaza was done while cooperating with Israel. When you're seeing what's happening in the West Bank, there's a security cooperation between the Israeli uh, security forces and the Palestinian Authority security forces that is still in effect 
now, even when war rages in uh, 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 in Gaza, when I'm seeing all of that, um, that encourages me. Because what many people in the West don't understand, what some of these hundreds of thousands of people marching in London and Paris and Berlin and the US and elsewhere as well, what they don't understand is that Hamas is a common problem for the whole region. And we're seeing it now. We're seeing how the sentiment, and I saw uh, a poll done by the Washington uh, Institute just a few days ago, how the sentiment towards Hamas has shifted in these Arab countries where they were, um, let's say, neutral or even had some positive views, and now they have mostly negative views after October 7th. Um, so that encourages me because on the, uh, you know, the day after, Israel will still have to live with its neighbors. Um, and the neighbors are seeing, speaking about the Muslims that contacted me and you, um, the people who live in the region and know what's fundamental extremist uh, Islamic terror is, they get it. They understand. And they get what Israel is trying to do. Uh, so that encourages me, definitely. Yeah, and I think the protests in the West have been far bigger than those anywhere in the Middle East. Definitely. Which says a lot. And, you know, yeah. I think just to finally, just to wind this back to the UK, um, you know, if in Israel there's 20% of the population are Muslim or Arab, um, and there, of course, there's some jihadism and some extremism there, but by and large, the story has been of this deep, um, abiding sense of of, uh, of loyalty to Israel in the community, mm-hmm. notwithstanding the jihadism. Then in Britain, the 6.5% here who are, who are Muslims, um, they're not the problem. It's something else. It's it's there, There's a way in which we can bring everybody together and have some national coherence. Um, there, yes, there'll be jihadis and extremists, but there, there's a way of winning this this battle. Yeah, and 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 I think that the battle against anti-Semitism is exactly the tests the test that we should look at because I'm not expecting everyone to be pro-Israeli. I'm not expecting everyone to stand by Israel in its fight. You just want I'm everyone not, to be anti-Hamas. Well, I I think that there's I I I think that there's a, there's 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 a moral clarity to who's 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 in the right and who's in the wrong here and i think that what we just spoken about uh, the the sentiment in the arab countries uh, explains that uh, very much but if the silent majority if these millions of people cannot get themselves into saying we're putting the conflict aside for a second we're against anti-semitism we're against uh, 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 terrorizing and causing fear within the Jewish community that lives here in the UK. If if millions of people cannot bring themselves to say that and to act upon it, then we have a problem. It shouldn't be a controversial message saying that a uh, minority group shouldn't be living in fear in the UK. Um, and if it became a, a place where people are afraid to express this sentiment and stand by their neighbors, then we have a very big problem. Exactly. So, silent majority, find your voice. Elad Simchayov, thank you so much. It's been a pleasure to talk to you. I hope we can invite you back uh, back again. And uh, good luck with uh, your reporting this weekend and and in the coming weeks. Thank you. I I hope that the next time we'll be under uh, happier circumstances, but whenever you need me, I'm here. Thank you, Jake. You've been listening to the Israel War Briefing from the Jewish Chronicle with me, Jake Wallace-Simons. Join us next time for more insight and analysis from leading experts.